When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. Oh, that sounder can mean only one thing. It's Tuesday. Bonus scoop time. Zolgad, Declan, and of course, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, and also Scoop Podcast fame, our Scoop Meister. And Darren, it is NBA Draft Week. Thursday is the NBA Draft. Wolves slated to draft 19th. Plenty of reckless speculation and scoopage to get to on this. I want to start you off with this one. Your reaction to the news on Monday, Shams of The Athletic reporting that the Wolves, just very briefly reporting, just like a sentence, the Wolves are sniffing around Atlanta's Clint Capella. What can you tell us? Well, I mean, I think they have had dialogue with Atlanta. Happy Tuesday, by the way, Judd. Good to see you, Declan, as well. Mm -hmm. I'm positive, Judd. They've had dialogue with Atlanta, just like they've had dialogue with a number of teams. I did have somebody directly involved with me uh, with the situation tell me to not bet on Clint Capella landing here with the Wolves. So it's great fodder. The Wolves are casting a pretty wide net. I was told they've planted many, many seeds. In fact, I'll read verbatim what somebody over at Mayo Clinic Square told me. Let me see if I can find the text message. I will tell you verbatim what somebody told me yesterday. There's a lot going on. (laughs) All right. So that means, you know, between some draft workouts, there's another one today, by the way. Like, that's how diligent the Wolves are being. They have more prospects in today. They're also doing a Zoom with Branham, Malachi Branham from Ohio State, who's not, I don't think, is going to be there at pick 19. So that just tells you the kind of diligence the Wolves are doing now, they could always move up for Branham if they wanted to. They tried to get Branham in for a workout. The schedules just didn't match. If you're Branham's representation, you're looking at it and saying, my client's not getting to pick 19. Why should I have him fly to Minnesota, go through a workout, an interview, a physical examination? Like, I don't need to do that to my client. That's a trip that is not necessary. But he is going to conduct a Zoom interview with the Wolves today. So that just tells you, how detailed they are being, how busy they are. But in terms of trade dialogue, like my understanding is they've talked to a number of teams, but specifically with Atlanta, again, I was told by somebody directly involved, do not bet on Clint Capella landing with the Wolves. Interesting stuff. All right, what can you tell us, too, about how the draft draft process for this franchise has changed and maybe uh, been backed up a bit, too? Because Tim Conley, who came aboard 
what, introductory press conference two weeks back now, I think officially named three weeks back. So how much did that change things? Not that there aren't people with the Wolves who are immersed in the draft process, but when you bring in a new Pobo, I'm guessing some of the thought process has to change. Well, sure. Then you think about Matt Lloyd, who, you know, semantics, you know, we can debate, I guess by title, he's the number three, but his responsibilities are far different in many ways than Sachin Gupta as Matt Lloyd has a deep scouting background. So you bring him in from the Orlando Magic. Now, I will say when Tim was still with the Denver Nuggets, they conducted some pre-draft, you know, whether it was interviews. They had David Roddy in for a visit. It was more an interview, not necessarily a workout, but Connolly was pretty knee-deep in pre-draft work when he was with the Nuggets. The one thing Connolly missed was he was not at the Combine. So you think about all those face-to-face interviews. The Wolves interviewed, you know, over a dozen prospects for 25 minutes in Chicago. There were different pro days while the combine was going on and the scrimmages. So, like, that was a busy time in Chicago. Well, Connolly was still trying to figure out, okay, do I take this Minnesota offer? Do I go back to Denver? So he missed the combine. But, like, you can catch up. I mean, you can watch film. They've brought in a lot of these guys. You know, so a lot of those question marks that Tim might have had, I feel, have been answered with all the prospects they brought in the last couple weeks. Then you think about, you know, Gianluca Pascucci, whose option on his contract not being exercised. The Wolves told him to hit the road immediately. He was big on scheduling these pre-draft workouts. In fact, he represented the Wolves at the Portsmouth pre-draft invitational going back a couple months. Then they kick him to the curb, right? He's gone. Then Zarko Durasic took over scheduling a lot of these draft workouts. So Zarko Durasic took over a lot of the responsibility that Gianluca Pascucci had. But otherwise, Judd, like, I don't have every single name that's been in since mid-May, but I bet I have about 85% of the names, maybe even 90%. Like, I'm not quite sure there's another team that's brought in as many prospects as the Wolves. Now, the comeback to that is, well, yeah, they should bring in a lot, right? When you have picks 19, 40, 48, and 50. When you have four picks in this draft, I would have to look. Does anybody else have as many as four picks? Now, there are teams with multiple first-rounders. You know, like Orlando has three of the top 35 picks. Oklahoma City has two picks in the top 12. They have at least three picks. But I don't know if anybody has... Well, I don't know if anybody has five. Maybe one other team has four. I'd have to look at that. But point is, the Wolves have as many draft picks as just about anyone. So they should be diligent in their work. But the Wolves have brought in so many guys. I know Alondis Williams, a guard from Wake Forest, is among the prospects in today. So even 48 hours to go, the Wolves are still doing a lot of homework. I've got some questions about Jalen Duran. Do you expect the Wolves, first of all, I guess, Dukes, to stay at 19? And second of all, would a kid like that intrigue them? Well, he should intrigue them. I think he'd be a really nice fit next to Cat. Like, I saw him play at IMG Academy. Big fan. You know, and it was a roller coaster year at Memphis. I don't see how he gets below pick 11. Right. Now, maybe he does. You know, that's the popular spot, the sweet spot for these mock drafts in New York there late lottery, but maybe he slides a little bit, but like what ammo are you putting on the table, Judd, to move up? Who's willing to move back? I'll also say a lot of people will tell you, not just draft pundits, but people within the league in these front offices will tell you 
There's not a whole lot of difference between picks 12 and 35 to 40. So does it make a whole lot of sense to give up whatever the asset is, to give up an asset to move up? Now, I guess if you target one specific guy, as far as I know, Duran has not been to town, but I'm sure they have the book on him, right? I mean, that's what they have their security director doing, others in the front office, making a lot of phone calls, talking to a lot of people, you know, learning about, you know, the character of these guys. They can watch a ton of film, you know, going back to when Duran was in high school. They can have the book the last two to three years on Duran, who right now has an NBA body. That kid looks like he's 25 years old, not a teenager, or maybe he's 20. But point is, like, that is a man child. I really, really like him. I think he'd be an excellent fit next to Cat. But you would have to move up. And I just don't know, like, Josh Okoge is not getting you up there. Like, are you giving up Jalen Noel, Nas Reed? Is some team willing to do that? I don't know if I necessarily see the fit on on moving up. I think there would be a better chance either they just stay at 19 or they outright move the pick, right? That they just they get out from underneath pick 19, that there might be a chance to to either acquire maybe multiple future picks or that there's a veteran you can bring in in some package where 19 goes out. To your point, are there have you you heard um rumblings dudes about guys on the current roster who might be being shopped or might be being dangled at, at least in conversations like is that list beginning to emerge where it's clear that there you know there's a guy or two or three um beyond Delo that Tim Conley would be willing to move verbatim from somebody inside anyone not named Edwards and Towns will listen to anyone again okay. not named Edwards and Towns will listen to now like I don't see a Jada McDaniels trade happening I've been saying that for a while I see Jada McDaniels moving forward as part of a big three with cat with ant now if you're moving Jada McDaniels you're bringing back a legit all-star but the point is unless your name is Anthony Edwards or Carl Anthony Towns it's a very interesting time now if we were doing you know a pie chart of who could go you know, a percent ahead. chance? Yeah, I mean, put D'Lo and Beasley near the top of that list. Jada McDaniels would be a very, very tiny sliver, right? So, yeah, we can certainly rank guys, but unless you're Ant or Cat, you absolutely could be traded in the next few weeks. If we play this out then, McDaniels, a guy like that who clearly has a bright future, looks to be a really good player, what type of trade, like, what would be the blockbuster? What what would be the trade where they would go down a list of guys that they probably like um, and make a trade? Because it's interesting that, that there's not a bigger list of guys who they're like, okay, no, 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 right? So, like, if we, if we were to explore the path of a guy like Jaden McDaniels, what are we talking about there? Well, I mean, I think you're looking at, like, Jaden plus more where you're getting back – Right. You know, like, let's see what happens with Bradley Beal. Hypothetically, right? Like, I don't see the Wolves landing Bradley Beal. But Bradley Beal is on record saying he's made a decision about his future, just isn't ready to announce what that decision is. Now, to me, if it was a stone-cold lock that he's re-upping with the Washington Wizards, wouldn't you just say that? So that's where there's a little bit of doubt. But, like, a lot of his actions going back over a year have suggested he wants to be with the Wizards beyond next season. But that's the kind of move you'd be looking at, right? 
where Utah, what happens with Utah? They still need a head coach. You know, does Danny Ainge, you know, decide to to blow things up to some extent? Right? So if Donovan Mitchell went, now I'm not suggesting Donovan Mitchell would land here. I think he would land elsewhere. But that would be the idea. You'd bring in a player of, of that ilk. Now, McDaniels isn't getting you that player singularly. That's where you're looking at giving up. You know, you got to make the money match, right, with some of these guys. So I suppose D'Angelo is an expiring contract. You know, you're looking at, you know, probably another young player, you know, whether that's Jalen Noel, Nas Reed, if some team was was enamored with with either of those guys, maybe both, right? So it would be a combination. But Jaden McDaniels would be the, the focal point of said package. Mm-hmm. If you're the opposing team, you'd be saying, okay, yeah, we needed to match money, so we took this big contract, this expiring contract. But the guy we love, the reason we gave up our star, well, he wanted out. He wasn't going to sign here long term. But the reason we made this trade with Minnesota is we love Jaden McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels is is highly coveted. The Wolves right. always get calls on Jaden McDaniels. I know a lot of people in the league that love that kid. Okay. So that, that leads to my next question because I sense that Connolly is, is very smart. I sense that he probably would move methodically if possible. Like, I don't think he's going to rush into a trade. Uh, I sense that Finch is the same way. Conversely, I sense that Laurie and A-Rod are probably guys who look at this thing and say, we probably uh, should have won the first round against the Grizzlies. We've got a good team here, and we're not the most patient guys. What do you think the mandate is or the feeling is about trying to get this team to get over the hump as soon as possible? Or do you think it's going to default to Conley and Finch to say, well, we're getting there, but we're not quite there yet? Yeah, the latter. That there's not any sort of verbal mandate. But I'll continue to harp on this, Judd. The Denver Nuggets are getting healthy. The Los Angeles Clippers are getting healthy. Will the Lakers continue to be this bad? Now, hey, LeBron may continue to miss some games. Anthony Davis has a history of breaking down. So neither of those guys may be capable of playing 75 games next season. But there is a thought. Are they going to be this bad again next year? New Orleans gets back Zion Williamson. They were below the Wolves. They now have a full year of C.J. McCollum. There's a thought that New Orleans is ready to make a jump. That the Wolves... If they run this thing back, status quo, you're at best in the play-in tournament. You're not jumping up to the sixth seed. Right. So the roster needs work. We've been saying that for a while. The roster is incomplete. Smallest roster in the NBA, horrible defensive rebounding team. That's where, on the surface, Clint Capella makes a lot of sense, right? Elite defensive rebounder. Now, some people might say, no, it doesn't make sense because... We don't want Cat playing the four. That Cat has to play the five. Cat has defensive flexibility. There are certain things you can do. Elston Turner is a really smart defensive mind. There are different concepts that you can concoct that that Cat is not going to be put on an island chasing around small ball fours around the perimeter. There are ways to work around that. So on the surface, Capella makes sense. But I was told... Atlanta's looking to do some other stuff. Clint Capella has a really tight relationship with Trey Young. Not that he's untouchable, but that if they move Capella, it's probably for a bigger move, some other large move. Like, I don't think they're moving Capella from Malik Beasley and a draft pick. That's what I'm alluding to. 
Doogie, what's up with the latest with John Collins? The Vikings, the, the Vikings, the Wolves have had dialogue with him before, and obviously it just sounds like he could also be dangled again at the trade deadline. Number one, I guess, two-part question for you. Did, did your gut tell you that John Collins is probably out of Atlanta? And two, do you think the Wolves can be a suitor for him? Well, yes. I do think, Declan, Atlanta is going to do something. Go to the Eastern Conference Finals two seasons ago. Go belly up this past season. I guess it could have been worse. At least they made the play-in. But, you know, like, and they won the play-in, right? So they advanced to the playoffs, but went belly up in that first round against Miami. So Atlanta is going to do something. And I think it's more likely it's Collins, not Capella. Now, they also have Gallinari, who's only got a partial guarantee, final year of his deal. So Gallinari is a really interesting trade chip. But like to me, Atlanta, you know, I've talked for a while about Indiana being fascinating. And now, you know, we've seen more, you know, national steam on Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon. But Atlanta's another one of those teams that I'm fascinated to see how things play out. If I had to bet Declan, yeah, it's way more likely Collins goes than Capella. I don't have a strong sense right this second that the Wolves that that Connolly is is all in on on Collins. That that's a good amount of money. Is he worth that? You know, coming off an injury, so there are some medical concerns. Although there's medical concerns with a lot of guys. That's one I'm going to dig on a little bit further, Declan. That it's a a fair question. I can make a case that he could fit in pretty nicely. Now, what are you giving up to get him? See, that's still that's still the elephant in the room, right? That that okay, Atlanta decides okay, we're moving Collins. They get what six to eight to ten suitors. Maybe ten is a bit aggressive, but multiple for sure, right? Not just Minnesota. So, like, what do the Wolves have to entice Atlanta to say, okay, Minnesota, your offer trumps Portland, trumps San Antonio's, trumps you name the other teams that could be in on John Collins. That's where I think it's a tough match. But yeah, there has been. I mean, you're right to note previous interest. You know, certainly Gerson was was a fan of John Collins. I can tell you that much. But others that remain in the front office, I know are fans of John Collins. So that's one I'll continue to keep an eye on. I don't have a strong sense on where Connolly stands on him, though. Odds that we see a Wolves trade that excites people Thursday. How do you define Odds excites? Because right I think well, we're going mean, to see some action. It can't I do. Be a second round pick sold to San Antonio. Well. So, so like an actual player trade yeah. or a draft pick trade that that you say, wow, that's at least intriguing, not, you know, big deal, I don't care. Even with the three second-round picks, they would take all sorts of heat if they sell a pick. Like, Flip oh, yeah. sold a pick, yeah. you know, with Glenn's Jesus approval. What year was that? Was that the Giannis draft? Was that 14? wasn't 15. wasn't the cat draft. But the Wolves sold the pick. I believe it was 14. The Shabazz, the Shabazz draft. Yeah, I think them. it was the Shabazz draft, right? The Gorgie Jang draft. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he took a good amount of heat. In fact, I remember having a back-and-forth with Flip where he put me on a timeout, a text message timeout. He's like, I'm not texting you back for 24 hours. You're on a text timeout. Oh, <laughs> just, wow. Yeah, Dude, that's the kind of relationship we had. Down. It was great. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. Because I just, I asked the question that draft night, right? So... It was a logical, legit question, but he was mad that I asked it in front of everybody. He's like, you should have just asked me privately. I'm like, no, that was your press availability. No guarantee that I was going to track you down later that night. And like, it was, <laughs> it was germane to that moment, right? Like, as I'm, I don't remember if I was writing, broadcasting, whatever I was doing, but it was a talker like in that moment. 
I couldn't wait no. until one thirty in the morning no. for one of those late you flip right, calls. You did the right thing. Yeah. So anyway, he put me on a on a text message timeout. But I remember him taking all sorts of heat, you know, eight years ago for for doing that. So like even with the three second round picks, they would they would take. I think at least for me, like you're not in a position to be selling picks. Like take a stash right. guy, right? But my you know, point, just stash but, him overseas. But, but you can't be you can't be selling. My picks. point is percentage odds on a real trade. Well. By the Wolves, a basketball Yeah, I mean, trade. like, the seeds have been planted, right? The, the the net that they've cast is is wide. I mean, you know, I can't reiterate that en- enough. You know, just so often, I just know from covering this league for so long, most trades talked about never happen. Right. Right? I think they're going to make a trade. How about that? But it may be as simple as, okay, here's 48 and 50. We're moving up to... Somewhere else in the second round, right? Some guy they like falls. You know, it may just be something along those lines. Or they trade 48 or 50 for a second round pick next year. Right? Like, a trade like that would make sense. You don't need three second round picks. Just push that second round pick, have multiple second round picks in a later draft in 23 or 24. So that's where I think they're going to do something. I don't know if it's going to be something necessarily that, you know, excites the the fan base. You know, so to use your word, excites. But, like, yeah. just know, all these guys are on the table. Like, I'm sure Pat Riley would love to have Pat Beverly in Miami. Like, I'm sure of that. Right? I know a lot of teams, I'm telling you, that would love to have Jaden McDaniels. Jalen Noel wasn't thrilled with with his role last year, right? Was used a lot, then wasn't used. Like, you don't think he would welcome a, a change of scenery? So, I mean, there's a lot of things, right? But that doesn't mean that, that Tim who's very calculated, is going to strike this soon. Let's not forget about the ability to have maximum flexibility one year from now. Now, yes. these two things can be you know, happening at the same time, right? Where you can make a move now and still maintain that flexibility a year from now. So that would be something I would keep an eye on. Like, I just don't think you, you throw in the trash having that, that maximum flexibility next summer. I really don't. Chet Holmgren goes where, do you think? Well, he visited Orlando last week. He visited Oklahoma City. I think it's one of those two. I don't know if it's one or two, though. You know, Orlando's GM met with the media yesterday, the pre-draft media avail, and certainly didn't tip his hat, you know, in any in any direction. I know Chet would love Orlando. Now, he did a Zoom. I was a part of many people on a Zoom with Chet yesterday. He handled the question the right way, right? That I can't control where I go. He spoke glowingly about Oklahoma City. He spoke glowingly about Orlando. But make no mistake about this. No state income tax. His best friend, Jalen Suggs, he wants to be the number one overall pick on Thursday night. I just don't know if Orlando's going him or Jabari Smith. I think in some order, those are your first two picks. Then Paulo Banquero goes pick three. Then we wonder about Sacramento with Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey did a Zoom the other day saying he hasn't had any pre-draft correspondence with the Sacramento Kings. We know Sacramento's having all sorts of trade dialogue with that fourth pick. So that, to me, is where the real, real intrigue begins. If I had to bet right now, I think Jabari Smith goes one, Chet Holmgren goes two. But it's entirely possible Orlando goes Chet, then Jabari goes two. But I can just tell you, Chet wants to go number one, 
And let me get in a shameless plug. Wednesday night, Channel 5, after the hockey game. So the newscast may not start until 10.05, 10.10. But I was over at Chet's mom and dad's house a couple weeks ago, caught up with his high school coach as well. So through the lens of people that know Chet really, really well, I'll have a feature story on on Chet Holmgren on Channel 5 on Nightcast Wednesday night, probably approximately 10.25 or so. I'm rooting for him to go to Orlando, right? I mean, that's the storyline you want. You want Jalen Suggs with Chet Holmgren. Judd, we have video. We did a story on Jalen Suggs when he was in sixth grade. We were in the gym that day. I went back and watched the video. We don't have the raw video, unfortunately, but I went back and watched the finished product. There's Chet Holmgren setting a screen for Jalen Suggs. Chet would have been just finishing his fifth grade year. It was after the summer of Jalen's sixth grade year. Like, how cool is that? That these two kids, you know, they slept over each other's houses dozens upon dozens of times like they've had you know late thanksgiving gatherings the families have together all sorts of aau tournaments like the two families are inseparable jalen and chet are inseparable like how cool would it be right to have those two on the same team so that certainly is what i am rooting for and it's and it also reminds us dukes of just how far this state has come in basketball development like, I mean, I can't tell you, when I was a kid, uh, it, it, this didn't happen. didn't even come close, right? Like, there might be a good player or two here and there. Uh, and that was up until, what, Dukes, about 15 years back? And then it just all changed. Like, it's remarkable that we are talking about these two pairing up as high draft picks, both being from here. Um, you, you occasionally had good prospects. Now, it's like a faucet got turned on and it's like every year we're talking about this uh cultivation of a group of just outstanding basketball talent from this state i love it i mean it really went up a notch the 15 draft when tyus jones rashad vaughn both went in the top 20 right to have or top 25 i guess to have two first round picks one from robbinsdale cooper high school one from apple valley high school then you think about the zeke naji draft with daniel oturu with Trey Jones, with Jericho Sims, who carved out a role with the Knicks. Right now you have this draft, Chet Holmgren, Kendall Brown, David Roddy. Now, Kendall and David may end up going second round. Like, I hope Kendall sneaks into the first round. Cottage Grove native, played a little bit at Eastridge High School. Then he transferred yep. to a to an academy in Kansas, Sunrise Christian Academy. You know, and that's where some of these kids get lost, just somewhat. You know, I'm knee deep in this stuff, but maybe to the casual fan, like Gary Trent Jr. plays his senior year out of state. Rashad Vaughn plays his senior year out of state. Kendall Brown plays multiple years out of state. So that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a relatively new phenomenon going back, you know, maybe a decade or so. But yes, I mean, no doubt, Judd, that, that the talent here in the Twin Cities, it's been peaking for a while, but. This may be the ultimate, right? When you have a kid that can legitimately go number one overall, right? We've had, we've had kids with local connections go number one. Michael Thompson, not from here, but the former gopher was the number one pick in the draft. Jalen Suggs last year goes pick five. So we've had guys go really high, but to have a Minneapolis kid, mini high Academy zone go one or two. It's really, really cool. He's going to have a number of family and friends at, uh, the Barclays Center there in Brooklyn. Heck, how about when he was in elementary school, Judd? One of his teams also featured Tyrell Terry. 
who went on to De La Salle High School, played at Stanford for a year, then was an early second-round pick. That's another kid from the last couple years. Dallas let him go, got picked up by the Memphis Grizzlies at the end of the year. But like an elementary school team with Tyrell Terry, Jalen Suggs, Chet Holmgren. You know, then you think about the Travis family, Reed Travis, who's made a lot of money overseas, had the good run at Stanford, then at Kentucky, had a number of NBA pre-draft workouts, played summer league. You know, just it's not, you know, the path that everybody can take, right? But you can make good money overseas. Reed Travis has made good money, and he's been a productive player overseas. The Travis family has a close relationship with the Holmgren family. So, like, you think about a lot of these kids – you know, just the relationships go back a long, long time. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Final scoop, sir. Close us out. I've been knee-deep in NBA, Judd, and I can tell you about Little League. How about my son's Little League team? Uh, they had no the choice. They're playing in a, in a tournament in Hopkins. Uh, somebody made the call, hey, let's play last night. Like, I'm sitting there looking at the ump who's sweating his you-know-what off. I'm looking at the catcher, oh. super uncomfortable. I'm thinking, what the heck are we doing? Then, of course, it was one of those games. You couldn't make this up. Like, you just knew, right, when the heat index is 103, right, that the game was going to take a while, right? That there were going to be a lot of foul balls, which there were. Can't control that, but there were. Kid hits a foul ball, clearly goes off the fence behind the home plate ump. He has to go talk to the field ump. Just to make sure that it went off the fence. Yeah. It's like, come on, bud. <laughs> you know, and two old guys. So just that was a waste Where's of four minutes. Center? Because our catcher caught it off the fence. But clearly, dead ball, right? Ball hits yep. fence. Dead ball. Yeah. Catcher caught the ball just to throw it back to the pitcher. And the ump had to I, think, wait, is that an out? Did he just catch that? And it like clearly went off replayed. the fence. In New York, you got to go. You got to put on the headset. You got to get that right. Oh, Anyway, and of course okay. I'm bitter because my son's team got ten run last night, right? So oh, you know, I have to sit out there and the watch problem. watch his team get their butts kicked. So yeah, it's just it was oh, one boy. of those nights. So I'm immersed in in little league baseball right now, which you know that's my life this time of the year. I am excited for this Twins Guardian series. Mm-hmm. I won't be there tonight. I know you'll be there, Judd Declan. I assume with your season ticket holder status, you'll be at one of these games the next three uh, days. Yeah, tomorrow. there you go. Yeah, nice. Tomorrow. So I am looking forward to. To that series, and also looking forward to when trade talk picks up. Like, you know, like it's not Absolutely. hot and heavy yet, but you know, you don't know that Carlos Correa is going to be here next year, right? So you got to go all in. Got to go all in. I will say on, on Twins prospect Matt Canarino, I'm just reminded, I texted with Matt the other day. There was a little hiccup in him getting his MRI results back. So some, some, is it elbow or forearm? I got to remember the exact injury. It's the same injury he had last year. One of the Twins' top ten prospects. He's at Double A Wichita, twenty four and a half years old, right? So it's like, come on, Twins. If he's healthy, move him up. Like I don't know why he's riding away at Double A at twenty four and a half years old. But anyway, he is still awaiting MRI results. He did say the injury feels a lot better. Now that doesn't mean the MRI is going to check out just fine. We wait and see on the MRI, but. Yeah, not good because Emmanuel Rodriguez, top Twins prospect and outfielder for Fort Myers, meniscus tear, so he needs to undergo surgery. You know, and you start thinking about the Twins being able to outbid other teams that they'll be in on Frankie Montes, but can they outbid some other team looking for a starting pitcher? It's not helpful when a lot of their prospects either are injured or performing poorly like Austin Martin. 
Absolutely. All right, sir. We will talk to you on Thursday with more scoops, okay? Okay. See you, boys. Bye-bye.